This podcast explores the commonality between our DMB brothers and sisters to demonstrate the true strength and depth of our family. We have all shared the soundtrack in our best and worst moments, and with that fact, we argue that we're never truly alone when the music is playing. So sit back, relax, and welcome to the best of what's around. Welcome to DMB On Demand. Bridget again, B-R-I-H-A-L-4457 on Twitter. For a little history, we're going back to 2001 through 2003. In January 2001, Dave Matthews' band headed to Rio de Janeiro to play the Rock in Rio Festival. The group spent the spring and summer of 2001 touring North America and introducing sold-out audiences to songs from every day which was released on February 27, 2001 and debuted at number one on the Billboard 200. The album has since been certified triple platinum. The band launched every day with appearances on Saturday Night Live, Late Show with David Letterman, and MTV's TRL. The Space Between peaked at number 22 on Billboard's Hot 100 and was nominated for a Grammy. Dave Matthews' band, the videos 1994 through 2001, was released on DVD and VHS on August 21st, marking the first time that the first 12 Dave Matthews' band videos were presented together, along with director commentary and behind-the-scenes footage. On October 23rd, 2001, the band released its fourth live set, Live in Chicago, 12-19-98, featuring great musicians such as Victor Wooten, Maceo, Parker, and Full Set with Tim Reynolds. In 2002, the band began recording in next album in January, working with English producer mixer Stephen Harris at the Record Plant Studios in Salcedo, California. Dave Matthews' band was honored to kick off the Hallmark Olympic Celebration series of concerts, which took place in Salt Lake City, Utah, during the 2002 Olympic Winter Games. The band performed Space Between, nominated for Best Rock Vocal Performance by a Duo or Group at the Grammy Awards in February 2002. Busted Stuff, DMB's fifth studio album, was released on July 16, 2002 and debuted at number one on the Billboard 200. First single, Where Are You Going, topped, topped the AAA radio chart and was a top 20 hit at Modern Rock. On November 5, 2002, the band released the double CD, DVD, VHS live at Folsom Field, Boulder, Colorado, and the band's fifth live release overall. A short U.S. tour in December included two sold-out performances at Madison Square Garden, where James Brown joined DMV on stage during the second show. Dave Matthews Band's 2003 summer tour culminated with a performance in New York City's Central Park in front of an estimated crowd of 100,000 plus fans. The concert helped raise $2 million for public education in parks in New York City and was the first in the band's ongoing series of benefit concerts held in significant U.S. parks. The Central Park concert was released on DVD and CD on November 18, 2003, captured by 30 cameras in high-definition widescreen video and recorded in stereo in 5.1 audio. The DVD was directed by Larry Jordan, who had worked with the band on Listener Supported. 
2003 also saw the release of the first solo projects from DMB. On June 17th, Boyd released True Reflections. The album, which featured Tinsley on vocals as well as violin, was hailed by AllMusic.com as a warm, poignant disc that improves with every spin. Dave's Some Devil was released on September 23rd and later certified platinum by the RIAA. In December, he launched the Dave Matthews and Friends tour with Trey Anastasio, Brady Blade, Tony Hall, Ray Peck Scousey, and Tim Reynolds, Emmylou Harris, and Spy Boy. Join us in the next episode where we will explore DMB at Bonnaroo and Red Rocks. Thanks for listening. Sit tight for this week's interview and stay tuned after to hear the new The Way I Heard It segment where members of the DMB family share what certain DMB songs means to them. Thanks, guys. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, um, our guest this week is Charles. I had a chance to read over Charles's answers to the questionnaire we put out before guests come onto the podcast, and it was one of the most thought-out replies to the questions that we've had yet. Um, he is very thorough and dives deep into these questions and really takes his time to explore his answers and relate them to the music that we all know and love. So I'm interested in, in getting right down to it and getting to this interview and letting Charles kind of fill in the gaps for us on his own history with and uh, because of the music. So if you can just give us the basics, kind of round you out as a person, you know, your professions, your interests, your hobbies, what home life is like, uh, whatever you're comfortable sharing, just to let people get to know you. Yeah, uh, my name's Charles. I'm from Connecticut. Um, I'm kind of near uh, Mohegan Sun and Foxwoods Casinos, uh, if anyone is familiar with that area. Um, I'm 30 years old. I just got married in November. Uh, so we've been married for about six months and uh, expecting our first child in November. So very excited about that. Um, last year we uh, we got engaged. We bought a house and got married in seven months uh, because the day that we wanted to get married on uh, was happening last year, uh, November 9th, and it was on a Saturday. So, you know, I kind of reached out before I proposed uh, to her, uh, to a venue and the church, just to see if they had that day open. Um, and everything kind of worked out great. So um, so we kind of pulled that off last year. It was like a crazy year. Um, and uh, yeah, I, uh, I coach ice hockey. Um, I love ice hockey. Ice hockey has been in my life uh, forever. So I coach ice hockey around here. Um, and and as far as a career goes, um, I work in the restaurant industry, um, and then I also do accounting uh, during tax season. So I like to switch it up for each season, and it helps me out. Um, so, yeah. Did ice hockey start um, when you were a kid, like you played it, and then as you got older, you wanted to, to help coach other kids that are playing it? Yeah, I started playing when I was five um and i played all through you know from five until i graduated high school um and then i the college i went to didn't have a, a team 
we actually played uh we had an intramural like floor hockey uh so i played that for a couple years um and then when i went back i took a break went back to college and they had a club hockey team uh so i played there for a semester um but when i started coaching um i kind of realized how much fun it could be if you have the right coach um i was just kind of like a volunteer and it was uh not a very good environment for the players so i started coaching and uh i just fell in love with it i don't really play anymore maybe like a couple pickup games a year um it's just gives me a lot more um kind of sense of accomplishment being able to pass on everything that i've learned and shared to my players and helping out at camps and everything like that it's uh it's a blast and i coach i mainly coach high school age players um but we we do run a couple camps throughout the year and it's for all ages um and it's so much fun coaching uh you know young kids five six seven years old and you know whether they're you know really good at that young age or you know <laughs> still learning how to play uh it's it's awesome it's a great experience for me i definitely uh i definitely have a lot of fun doing that i've been coaching for seven years now so it's uh it's been a lot of fun yeah i grew up playing um football even back when i was like eight years old i played for pal the police athletic lead and i'll tell you whether it's hockey or football you can tell the coaches who like have a genuine love for the sport versus the ones that are just doing it to do it. So the fact that you, you know, love what you're doing, I'm sure that that radiates to the to the guys that you're uh, coaching and means a great deal to them. Um, all right, so let's kind of veer the topic into the music. Uh, we're going to start with what most people think is the toughest question, not because it requires you to dig deep or anything, but it's kind of hard to narrow down the favorites. So one little caveat is I'm going to ask you your favorite DMB song, knowing that there's probably more than just one, depending on, you know, the time of the day or the week or month or whatever's going on. So if you have a couple, you're more than welcome to, to shout them out. But more importantly, break down for us why, um, a song or two are your particular favorites. <laughs> yeah, I have Apple Music, so I've been scrounging for like uh, all DMB fans know that each live song is different. You know, if it's the same song, it could be played a hundred different ways. And there's so many live albums that they have, you know, one you know, one song couldn't compare to another and they're they're all different. Kind of like, you know, coaching ice hockey or playing football. Each game, each practice is going to be different. It's the same with them. Um, but for me, I have it's kind of a little bit of a two-parter. I um I'll start with like my I always say my favorite Dave song is Lion Our Graves. And for whatever reason, when that Crash album came out, um it just hit me like i don't know i was probably and i think it, i think that album came out in like 95 or 6 or 7 or something like that but i didn't really listen to it until a few years later so maybe i was like 9 or 10 um and that it just that guitar that starts off i just i went like crazy for and i'd only listen to that song off the album it was it, it was uh <laughs> it really uh it really hit me really i don't know 
in in the fields, <laughs> as uh, you know, as they say. Um, but Lion of Graves by far is my favorite song. Um, but then I always say my favorite Dave song um, is Ant Marching. And I know that's kind of a cop out because it's like one of their most famous songs. Um, but for me, you know, we talk about the why and my dad had a cassette of Under the Table and Dreaming. And so we would listen to that and he'd dry, he, he worked in the same town that I went to school. So on the way to school, we'd listen to that tape. Sometimes he'd listen to the radio um, and sometimes he'd listen to the tape. And when I first heard Ants Marching, I just would go crazy for the Boyd violin. And that like riff he does towards the end of the song where it really just like picks up really hard into the end of it. And I probably must have annoyed the crap out of him because I would make him play Ants Marching a thousand times a day on that ride to, to school. Um, but for me, it's just, if you say Dave Matthews, you say Ants Marching, like all their songs are unique. But for me, that's my favorite one. It just, it's so complete. It's so funky. And I've lis I listen to all types of music and I can't say that I've heard anything like that song. So for me, Ants Marching is, uh, is by far my favorite. Yeah, so on Twitter we do the song of the day where we take a song and break it down into segments and, and do some custom artwork to go with that song and, and we tweet those out scheduled every day. Just so happens that uh, today's song is Lion or Graves. So Yeah, I saw I that, yep. Yeah, I didn't put it together until you started talking about the song and, and I mean what a great coincidence and, and you know Ants marching is is fantastic. On your notes, um, what what made me or what I thought of when I heard ants marching being your favorite is the whole deep tracks only, no hits. You mentioned um, in your notes that you know you're a big Office fan and Parks and Rec, and I know exactly exactly what you're talking about. And uh, when I heard you say ants marching, my first thought was deep track or no hits, deep tracks only. And then that song comes on and it just overwhelms you like it doesn't matter what you're expecting to hear when that comes on it just moves you so i i think that was uh i think that's two great songs to pick from as far as your your favorites go so if ants marching hit you just right because of the violin how are you well what do you think about the lack of a violin now in the music yeah yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a tough situation. I mean, other than, you know, getting into all the details, I, I think what they did was a great job. Um, but that's the thing about this band is, you know, you get a little little pieces of songs kind of sound alike, you know, two steps kind of like, you know, maybe like the warehouse of that album and is kind of like the stone of another album and, you know, but... I loved this new album. I have, I mean, all, all us fans were starved for new Dave material. And I'm sure, you know, just like you, just like everybody else, we were wondering, how are they going to do a whole album without a violin? Or are they going to bring a violin? And not only with the album, but when you watch them live, um, like those DMB drive-ins that they just started to do. And the one... Uh, 
two weeks ago uh was in hartford which is i've that's i've i didn't go to that specific concert but that's where we go um for dave concerts and hearing ants marching and two-step and the familiar violin songs without a violin it's weird but you still get the same sense and it's just a different way of doing it you know and i i don't know this it was funny so there's a part later that i can you know talk about how my wife doesn't really listen to dave matthews uh and she or i should say she never listened to them before we met so this was her first album that we got to share so listening to or i should say seeing her reaction to this album she loves it she loves how it kind of rocks and it but a lot of the songs are a little bit softer like virginia and do you remember is kind of peppy and it's cool to see her this is like her first true reaction to dave matthews other than everything else that i've played so i really like the new album i uh i, I thought it, i thought it was great it's definitely not what we're used to but you know they're very innovative they can pretty much do anything they want so yeah, I went to the Gorge last year, and um, when they first came on stage, I felt like you couldn't feel the lack of a presence there. But as soon as the first note hit, and all the way through the end of the show, not once was I sitting around thinking, "Man, this would sound better if we had the violin here." Like what what they're able to do in composing their music is just amazing. I I, I can't think of many other bands that are so adaptable that they've went through different you know lineups of musicians and can still pull through and deliver that same energy it's just it's amazing to see so um all right so we got your favorite dmb song or two uh, with lion on rays and ants let's talk about the lyricism do you have a specific lyric that you like more than most and if so uh, why do you like that one more than the rest Yeah, my favorite DMB lyric um, is from Lion Our Graves. And it's, uh, I think you either posted it today or uh, I've seen it posted, you know, either on your page or one of the other DMB fan pages. Um, you know, I can't believe we would lie in our graves wondering if we had spent our living days well, wondering what we might have been. It's just, uh, it's so simple and true to me. You know, you always think of, you know, the days that you're just kind of sitting around doing nothing, watching TV or something when you could be out socializing or you could be out, you know, doing yard work or hiking or anything productive, you know. So for me, it's just kind of like, you know, am I trying to do the best that I can because, you know, one day we're all going to be gone and are we going to be, you know, talking about the what ifs or are we going to be kind of as satisfied as we could with our lives um that's that's my favorite lyric um but it's funny that you mentioned earlier about you know the type of day <laughs> like i've been listening to the stone a lot and i love how hard it hits and then it transitions to like that soft lyric like you know i was wondering if you'd come along you know hold up my head if my head won't hold on or something like that and you're like, wow, this this is the same band that put out, you know, Halloween, like, and it sounds like this, like, same album. So, 
it you know, it it is every day is different every day i kind of you know if I, i don't listen to dave every day i kind of get in these i've been listening to a lot of country music lately um a lot of dave to get ready for you know our interview um but yeah the stone lyrics i i do like too um, but that's just that's what i've been listening to the past couple days so <laughs> So you may have already answered this um, previously when talking about your favorite song, but I'm going to ask it just in case there was a, a different answer. But um, how long have you been a fan for? About about how many years have you been listening? And um, was there maybe ants? I'm not sure, but was there a specific song that when you heard that song, you're like, okay, all right, I'm in, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. So I would say 25 years. Because that was right when I, I'm 30 now, so I was probably five or, you know, between five and six when he would be driving me to school. Um, and, yeah, it was Ants. And it's funny because I used to, when I got older and I got into high school, um, he had like a, my dad had like an old boombox and it didn't have a CD player, it just had a tape player. So I would borrow his tape and I used to, so now I'm like, you know, 13 14 15 i used to go into the basement pop that tape in and i used to you know stick handle with a ball and or shoot you know you know play like hockey and stuff and i used to love um typical situation it's just such a i don't know it's very calming to me to listen to that song and then I think Rhyme and Reason is right before or right after it. And then you, it hit you with that song and you're like, this is this is awesome. Um, but Ants by far is the one that made me a fan. Um, but you're like a kid. So I guess when I, when I heard Lie in Our Graves and that Crash album, um, that was kind of what made me be, you know, kind of transition to an actual Dave fan other than just listening to songs because you like the way they you know, they play or whatever. Um, and then busted stuff right after that really, uh, really hit me in my teenage years. Cause it's a very, uh, it's very different. Busted stuff has a very, uh, special place in my heart. <laughs> I used to listen to that album for many, uh, many different reasons, but I love, I love that album. There's a, there's a lot of angst and busted stuff and, um, I can definitely understand why that one, you clung tight to that one during those years. I can absolutely see what you're saying there. Yeah, I think people kind of get all freaked out about it because um, everyone's like, oh, the Lily White sessions are so much better and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, the Lily White sessions are very good. They're like the deep tracks. It's kind of like us listening to like something that shouldn't even we shouldn't even be really be hearing you know it's like it's like finding that hidden level on mario for the first time and you're like oh this is so much better than anything i've ever played before blah 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 and then when you play the real game you're like oh this isn't as good um but lily white sessions has its place and busted stuff has its place if you don't like it then you know that's your opinion you're entitled to it but I love the Busted Stuff album. I think it's so it's so funky in a way that it's not like true Dave, right? They're coming off under the table, you're coming off crash. And 
you know, remember two things. It's all very violin-y and kind of poppy and almost hippie-like. And then you hear busted stuff and you're like, whoa, this is kind of different. Bartender is a nine-minute song on an album. Like, <laughs> you don't really get that. All the songs are really long. And, you know, Where Are You Going was on the radio. And so maybe people didn't like it because of that. But, I mean, it that song... Uh, that that not that song that album um is just so complete to me and i just love the way it sounds it was recorded so well it just sounds beautiful playing through like uh like a big screen um you know big speakers it just sounds awesome yeah with busted stuff man we're really lucky this band has the perspective that it does because it could have it would have been easy for the band or Dave himself to think, okay, well, Lily White sessions leaked out, so fuck it, we're not going to do anything and just move on to the next. But instead, doubling back to fine tune what they wanted to fine tune and releasing it, um, that album means more to me as a relationship with the band that's putting the music out there. That one means more to me than some of the other ones just because it was absolutely something that they did not have to do, but did it anyway for the sake of the music, because uh, they wanted a presentation of it that was a little more polished. So I, that CD for me as well uh, has a lot of sentimental value to it. So, all right, when you go to a show, uh, you're instantly part of this family. There's thousands of people all there sharing the same rapture of joy of the experience of the energy of being there and then through social media you can get to know a lot of the people that go to the shows and start to develop a little bit of a relationship with them a friendship and all of a sudden you find yourself in the middle of this dmb community um can you tell me what kind of brought you in to the actual community and and what it means with your interactions with the DMB family, both at shows and in your day to day. Yeah, well, anyone who is a, D, a, a Dave fan will know that the Hartford concerts are always insane and have a crazy history to them. So I've been very fortunate to have only seen them. Now, I, I've only seen them in Hartford. But every time I've seen them, it's been different. The first, my first concert, I was 18. I went with just one girl and we were just friends. We didn't drink. We didn't get there early to tailgate. I didn't know anything about, you know, tailgating or anything like that. And we had, there's a big lawn at Hartford and you can get like lawn seats or real seats and all the all the kids would get lawn seats and we'd just, you know, party like crazy, get there super early, you know, bring lunches and everyone would be tailgating, listening to Dave songs and all these deep track and live versions and stuff. And I can remember the first concert I went to, I was like so, so sober, <laughs> more sober than I've ever been. And it was it was unbelievable. I'm really glad that my first experience wasn't partying because I was able to really appreciate it. And I won't, I'll, I'll never forget. They played 
their encore was Time Bomb into All Along the Watchtower. So it was like a 25-minute encore. And I just was sitting there, and they walked off the stage, and I was just like, that was insane. That was so insane. Um, I've met a lot of – I haven't, like, stayed in touch with anyone that we've met at concerts. But after that first concert, I literally texted all my friends, and I was like, hey – we have to all go to Dave next year when he comes to Harford and like do it big. There are things that I've seen today that I want to share with everybody. And like, it, it's just, uh, it, it makes it better the more people we get. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, that that's kind of what, what kind of brought me into it. There's another question a little bit later, uh, that I filled out that we can get to a little bit more into the concert stuff, but yeah, it's just, uh, just that atmosphere is, it's like, you know, like I, like I said before, you've never heard anything unless you've heard Ants Marching. You've never heard another song like Ants Marching, in my opinion. Nobody has ever been to a concert until they've been to a Dave concert. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, uh, Speaking of, you know, coming out of that concert and texting all your friends, it's a good segue um, into our next question. If you could choose one DMB song, and this time it needs to be just one, and that song is one that every man, woman, and child on earth would sit down and listen to one time, what song would you give as a gift to everybody on the planet, and why would you pick that one song to share with them? Yeah, it's uh, it's still gonna be ants for me. People may tune out by now because I talk about ants marching a lot, but you know what? That's too bad. <laughs> um, but if you get into it a little bit more, it is, it's just so much fun to listen to that song. You know, I've been in. You know, I've been feeling down one day and that song will come on randomly on my iPod or my phone and it just like will cheer me up or I'm in like a really good mood and I'll throw that song on and I'll have, you know, four different versions of it. You know, I love the live in Europe version is awesome. Um, there's another version. That was the first live one that I listened to, and I got it off LimeWire, so I could never tell what album it was from. I just knew how it sounded. You know how like each live song sounds a little bit differently, and you're like, all yeah. right, that's that's not the one I was listening to. It was a different one, yeah. um, and it's the Ants Marching from, uh, let's see if I can find it here uh the red rocks album uh live at red rocks 95 and that live ants marching i just love it's just so so classic um but i think when you really listen to the song you know it has relatable lyrics about day-to-day -day life um you know boyd is amazing on it the horns hit so not everything just comes together and i just don't think anybody would be in a bad mood after they listen to that song and like you said that part with andy in the office and he goes you know deep tracks only and you yeah. hear the drum right away 
those yeah. those those four drums and then bow and then it just hits and he's like i said deep tracks only you know like i just right. if somebody listened to that song for 10 seconds they'd be like what well i don't know what i'm listening to right now is it a country band is it like a big band is this a jazz band is this a jam band i don't know what's going on right. and it just the song just kind of builds up it's very complete to me that i i very has a obviously you can tell it has a special place in my heart <laughs> all right so uh side question here then uh stranded island one song is it ants or is it another one so it would, probably would be ants um but if i'm going stranded island if i could pick any dave song yep. it would be um it would be Lie in Our Graves, and it would be uh, off of the... I tried to have them all ready to go. Um, Lie in Our Graves, live in Chicago in 1998. It would either be that one, or Lie in Our Graves um, from The Gorge 2004. Because they're both like 12 to 14 minutes long and they jam and it's so chill and there's like piano in them and Boyd has his thing and the, you know, Leroy Moore does his thing on the horns. So if I'm on a stranded island, I don't want to play a song for only five minutes. Give me one of the really long live ones of Lion Our Graves. Plus, I feel like that song would just be so peppy. It would kind of maybe make it a little bit easier than stranded on an island. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, good picks, by the way. Not just picks for the song, but the specific versions uh, that you had noted. Just excellent, excellent picks. Um, do you have a moment in your life, one of those like high tide moments, like just a keynote day? Sometimes it's a wedding, sometimes it's graduation, whatever the case may be. Do you have a, a keynote time in your life that <clears throat> either DMB influenced in the real time, or maybe when you look back on that event now, there's a song that gives it some clarity or some perspective? Yeah. So we'll do. Uh, well, I'll say all. I'll say other than ants right now because I think we've hit the nail on the head with that song. <laughs> um. So we were talking about the concerts and one of the last ones we went to, we packed like six to, six or seven of us total. I had like an old beat up Forerunner and it was perfect for tailgating. It was big, it could get through like, there was a couple lots, one was called the Dirt Lot and it was literally just a patch of dirt next to some train tracks. So we always wanted to try to bring, you know, pickup truck or something like that to kind of get through. Um, so we packed a bunch of people up in my car, drove up to Hartford really early, you know, we drank, we were eating food, hanging out with people, you know, you meet up with other cars that are walking by and, you know, you're just drinking, playing cornhole, everything like that. Um, and my buddy lost a bet and he's a Celtics fan and, uh, he had to wear a Knicks t-shirt I had this bright orange Knicks t-shirt and so he had to wear it. I said you have to wear it at the concert 
And then if the Knicks had lost that series, I had to wear a Celtics, but thankfully the Knicks won. Um, And I have some really funny pictures of him in that Knicks, bright Knicks orange t-shirt. And we had lawn seats and they played like an 18 minute version of Jimmy thing. That was just so crazy to listen to. And it, it was in the summertime. So it was like, you know, it starts at like seven, eight o'clock. It's still light out. And as it gets darker, their songs got like heavier that night. And the encore was two-step. And one of the buddies that I was with loves two-step. That's like his favorite song. So we like ran down to right in front of the real seats. And we just were like jamming out like to two-step. And it was just a blast. That was, that was my favorite concert experience. Um, However, my wife would definitely be upset if I didn't mention uh, our wedding song was Here On Out off the new album. And I'm sure Dave fans who haven't gotten married yet are probably going to pick that song because it's so beautiful. It's such a great wedding song. It's such a great like relationship song. Um, And like I talked about before, you know, that was the first album that she had never heard before and you know as i haven't heard it before either but for her that's her first new dave album experience it used to be like a big thing for me the new dave album would come out and i'd play it for like you know months straight i wouldn't listen to anything else i wouldn't even listen to the radio um so playing that song for her when it first came out she was like oh this is kind of you know this is a cute song or whatever and I would pick certain road trips that we would go on where I'd play that song a few more times than normal just to kind of get it stuck in her head. So when, you know, I proposed and I, I used that song in the proposal and then when our wedding day came and it started playing in the beginning, um, people who know me know I'm a big day fan. So then they are listening to it and they're like, oh my God, it's a Dave Matthews song. But it's such a sweet, pure wedding song. And I knew, I didn't want a wedding song that had been played a lot. I didn't want a wedding song that, you know, is a popular one. I wanted something that would kind of mean something to us as well as a wedding song that um, wasn't really used a lot. And I knew that thank god the album just came out you know the prior year so we hadn't been to any albums that had played that song uh, excuse me we haven't been to any wedding, weddings that had played that song um and it's really cool to just say that that's our wedding song it's something that i was really happy to be able to share with her and to know that she loves that song as much as i do and it's like our song um <laughs> You know, it's uh, it's definitely special to me. So, other than the crazy concert experience, that is the best moment <laughs> for a Dave song to influence me for sure. Nice. So let's go to the other side of the spectrum. Is there any time in your life um, that was as negative as the story you shared? Positive. Um, that DMB either impacted in that moment or gives you some context when looking back or is there any specific songs that kind of um, 
you know, held you close when you're going through tough times. Yeah, one year we uh, went on a family vacation to Kentucky. And we kept, we'd go to like this horse park every day or, you know, a couple days in a row we went to this horse park and they took us on these horse trails and stuff. And I had like, a, you know, I was like 13, 14, 15 years old and I had a crush on one of the girls that like worked there. So it was funny. I brought, I didn't have an iPod back then. I had a CD player and I brought the Crash album because I used to listen to it all the time. And the whole week I listened to 41 and say goodbye. And I just kept repeating it because I was like, you know, damn it. Like, we're not moving here. Like, I have to just get over this girl. So I used to listen to that song a lot. And it still makes me think of that experience down there. Um, But what we had mentioned earlier about the Bust of Stuff album. So that album is really special to me because... Um, I used to go, you know, going through a few breakups, uh, just listening to like Grace is Gone. I used to love, and I, it's funny, I, until I got Apple Music, I kind of was just on my iPod or radio, but now that I can kind of sort everything in my phone, I started, you know, I downloaded a bunch of uh, all the Dave songs and I was like, and, and Grace is Gone came on and I went, oh my God, I forgot all about this song. I used to play that song. I used to keep it on repeat in my car when I would be sad or whatever. And and then I would kind of get bored of it and I'd play, you know, You Never Know and Raven and Bartender and Digging a Ditch is such a sweet song. I used to hate it because it was so slow, but it's so like peaceful and calming. So that whole album you know, I said it hits. It hit me in a different way. Uh, that that album, I used to play driving home. You know, go to a buddy's house, hang out or whatever, drive home, and I would just have busted stuff cranking in the in the car. I would take the long way home, back roads to kind of, you know, listen to the full bartender or whatever. But those are the you know, Grace is gone for me is a you know stereotypical breakup song, but it's uh, supposed to be that for for listeners, so uh, I really like that one. All right, so hypothetical here. You walk into a room. There's a few couches there. The band is sitting there, and you have a minute or two to tell them anything you would like to tell them, or what would you tell them? Yeah, I would tell them that it's amazing how how well they mesh together on stage. Um, the albums are amazing, but I've always said that they're the best live band ever. And I've gone to a lot of concerts. I've been to Dave. I've seen OAR in concert. They're really, really good. Very similar to Dave. Um, I've seen that same venue in Hartford uh, brings a lot of big time country artists. So I've been to a ton of country um, concerts, but nothing is like seeing Dave live. Um, 
and my wife and I were watching that DMV drive-in from Hartford, and she was so amazed how, like, you know, not only the how diverse the band is as far as the members and the sound of their songs, um, but their chemistry on stage. I mean, it's so hard, so hard to have chemistry when you're a jam band because you don't know who's, you know, doing what in a live song. You know, you have your normal play as far as what the song should sound like. And that has always been one of, like, the biggest life mysteries to me is how they can, how they, not only they, but bands in general can, like, jam out to a song you know like two step is like 18 minutes in central park like how did they come up with who gets what spot how it meshes well together how it sounds so perfect and all those you know the eight minute nine minute ten minute eleven minute versions of songs are just insane to me so you know just just to talk about that would just to get inside their minds to what happens backstage or how to, how they prepare for a concert um and then just thank them for you know being a part of my life and <laughs> sending joy to their fans and stuff i'm sure they realize how much of an impact they are to their fans but until they hear you know those little stories about you know oh my god ants marching was such a crazy song growing up for me like it's uh every every fan has different favorite songs for different reasons and just being able to share that with them would would be amazing. Well, hopefully at some point um, in the near future, we'll be able to take the next step in this podcast. We're actually we're actually pretty close to getting one of the band members on for an interview. And basically, what we want to do is tell the band what their fans think. Um, through this podcast and these questions, but then we want to learn how the fans have impacted the band throughout the years. And so um, if we get that opportunity, which I think we will um, soon, um, that's part of what I want to relate to them as well is the chemistry that they have. It's just hard for me to even wrap my mind around it, that they can play these extended jams, but be completely in sync and I don't I don't see that with many other bands um, unless they're an actual jam band like fish would be the first thing that comes to mind um, but they've been they've been doing these songs like this and jamming out since they first started playing together it's not like now that they've been around over two decades they're they're finally catching on to it no they were doing this stuff from like day one and that's absolutely um, absolutely amazing so, all right, if you were to sit down with somebody who did not know anything about the band and you had to tell them what the overall message of the music from the band is, how would you explain that message to somebody? And, and what do you think that is? Yeah, uh, that would be amazing if uh, you could get one of the band members on. Um, <laughs> I work at a little side note i work at a restaurant and we have different um kind of you know guitarists or you know little two three person super tiny 
playing in a bar or bands and I was chatting with one guy one night and he was one of the one of the you know one of the performers that night and I don't know we started talking about Dave for whatever reason and he was like I have Carter Buford's number in my phone and I was like oh my god like <laughs> that is like that must be amazing I'm like don't don't even show it to me because like I would just want to call him and be like what's up like <laughs> and just talk for hours so but that that would be really cool but I thought that was kind of fun I was like oh man what a small world um but as far as, as the question goes um you know I, I think the overall message is just to have fun and be creative um you know we talked about kind of you know the diversity of the members and the sounds so I can talk a little bit about that. Um, the same band, you know, made Granny and Halloween and Belly Belly Nice and Samurai Cop and Two Step and Alligator Pie. And it's like, if you stuck those songs on an album, you'd be like, what, what the hell is this? There's like, there's no chemistry. None of these songs are merging into each other, but at the same time, they all they all fit. Um, I always said for me, um, before these crowded streets is the most. It's not my favorite album because I like Crash um, and Busted Stuff better, but before these crowded streets, I feel like is their most complete top to bottom album it's so amazing it has every single song sounds great live um if 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 somebody was trying to be like what's dave matthews band obviously i'd have them listen to ants marching first and then i would give them before these crowded streets album and i would say listen to this from head to toe and tell me like what you think because like it has Halloween, it has Rapunzel, it has Last Stop, it has Stone, it has Spoon. I've been listening to Spoon um, live from, I don't know, one of their bajillion live track albums. And I forgot how good that song is. And when I got Apple Music, I tried to find all these songs live because I like listening to how they mesh them into live songs. And like Spoon, you wouldn't think sounds good live, but it's Spoon and it is from live at John Paul Jones Arena, Live Tracks 28, for, for anyone that wants to check it out. That song is amazing. And you're like, oh my god, I can't believe that this is the same this is the same band. So they're just they're so diverse. Um they're just so fun and creative to listen to. They have, you know, hundreds of songs for all different types of, um, you know, things that will happen in your life. I mean, Samurai Cop, I've been listening to a lot lately just because we're expecting our first child. So, like, uh, and she, my wife, you know, loves that song. So to be able to, you know, that could be like my daughter's Ants Marching, just like play that one a ton or something like that but um yeah just be creative and have fun and you know jam out <laughs> all right man so uh first of all thank you for 
coming onto the podcast and um, having your answers well thought out and considered. Um, I greatly appreciate it when, when people go to the lengths that you go to to um, be able to have some layers and some dimension to the answers. Uh, what we like to do uh, to close the interview is to give you a chance just to use the platform to speak about whatever it is you think people need to more know more of. Some people shout out their social media handles or perhaps they shout out a charity or organization, whatever it is um, that you think people need to hear more about. Now's your chance to share that information. Um, and just so everybody knows, whatever information is given during the shout outs, you can always go to our website uh, podcast page, dmbeyondemand.com slash podcast, and there'll be links to all the information that our guests give during their shout outs. So you'll be able to find links um, if, if it's relevant to that. So with that said, the floor is yours. Take your time and, and give a shout out to anything that people need to know more of. Uh, yes. Let's see how much I can cram in. Um, first of all, thank you uh, for having me on. It's been a blast. Um, I never really realized how much Dave meant to me until I, you know, you know, found your Twitter page. Um, and you know, we started talking and then obviously the interview and everything. So it kind of sets it in a whole different perspective for me. You know, obviously I'm a big fan. I love their music. These songs mean a lot to me and stuff like that. But until you talk to a complete stranger, you don't really know how much the band means to you. So, you know, like same with, you know, when I first met my wife, she's like, what do you listen to? I'm like, oh, Dave Matthews band. She's like, who's that? And I'm like, oh, like, who is that? What are you, <laughs> what are you talking about? So, but I can't just throw, you know, the Central Park album at her without her understanding kind of how they get there, you know? So that, uh, you know, just, just realizing how much the band has kind of meant to me over my, you know, time of listening to them and then how the band is taking me into this next phase of my life with my wedding and, you know, having a baby and stuff. It's, it's kind of, you know, I'm kind of seeing it in a different light. Um, for the people who are listening to that are humongous Dave fans that may maybe think that they've heard everything, I would recommend some deep tracks. Um, Big Eyed Fish off Lily White Sessions. I love that song. It's, uh, he, they sing the song in a different order than the Busted Stuff version, which is very cool um, to me. And it sounds, it has still has that funky, like, violin guitar tune of it, where it just sounds like, oh, this is kind of a weird song to listen to. But it's very, very nice. Um, Seek Up off the Live Rocks 98 album. I love that song. It's so good. It's like, the first like two minutes is instrumentals kind of bringing it into it um that song is very very good and this one's really funny um i'm a big charlie brown fan and they have they play the linus and lucy song it's like a nine minute version of that uh live tracks volume one centrum and it's it was just hilarious 
for me to hear that song played by I'm like oh my god my favorite band plays you know one of the greatest country uh, excuse me um Christmas like songs you know ever written it's just it's just so funny to listen to um so those are kind of some deep tracks that I wanted to bring to this song uh excuse me this um podcast um and then I have let's see I'll have one story and one band to promote and then my kind of final thoughts uh so really quickly I was 12 years old I was on a baseball camp uh in the summertime so I was in a summer baseball camp and one of the counselors would bring me because he was close to uh my house and then obviously we both went to the same camp um and I kind of knew him because he was I don't know six or seven years older than me we knew each other through hockey and he used to pick me up in this beat up pickup truck and he had the Luther College CD. And I had never, none of my friends really listened. You don't really listen to Dave Matthews when you're like 12. But I did just because it was a part of, you know, my dad listening to them. So I got into the band. So I'll never forget driving two weeks, Monday through Friday, and listening to that CD. Um, so that CD, I don't really listen to it that much. Um but that's just like one of those crazy stories that I didn't even remember until now. Um, and, you know, let's talk about the band I want to promote. So there's a band that is from Connecticut. They're called Barefoot Truth. And the lead singer, Will Evans, um, they kind of split up now just because they're all older and have families and everything. Um, and they get back together for a few concerts a year. I've seen them live a bunch of times. They're really good. Um, and the lead singer is Will Evans. And he has uh, a new band called the Will Evans Band. And they have a couple of CDs out. They're on Apple Music. Go check them out. They're on Spotify. They're on YouTube. Will Evans Band and Barefoot Truth. And they have a live album that, for all the Dave fans that are listening... It's very similar to, I like to say they're a mix of like John Mayer, Dave Matthews, OAR, Dispatch, John Butler Trio, like a lot of Dispatch sounds in there. I love Dispatch. And they are a local band. Um, They're so good. They're like legitimate. They're not just like a local band and, you know, they have like 20 fans. Like they're very good. They have a lot of albums. Um, They have an album called Live at Boomtown. They have like a couple, you know, eight, nine, ten minute songs, just like Dave does. And just like that chemistry we were talking about, they're all kids from the same high school. They got together, um, started out really small um, and kind of built it up to a, a you know, bigger thing. And now Will is on his own. But I have to promote them. They're very, very good and they're local. And so, you know, go give them a shot. And just to kind of close... Um, you know, I just want to promote being nice to people. You know, it sounds so simple, but like, especially with everything that's going on right now, you know, you don't know what people have going on in their lives. You don't know what people are going through. And 
it's cliche to say you don't know what's behind the mask because we're all wearing masks now when we go out shopping, but you really don't know what people are going through. Um, it's just so, it's so much harder to be nice and kind to strangers. It's so easy to just, you know, not give a shit and be rude and flip people off while you're driving or, you know, just be like, oh, this lady was acting like a, you know, jerk at the store or whatever. But like, you don't know what people are going through. So just like, you know, be nice. And it's, it's hard to do that. It's hard to understand, but you don't have to understand. You just have to know that you just need to, you know, be kind or just mind your business and just, you know, keep life going. Um, like I said, last year in a seven month span, I got engaged, bought a house, uh, had a, pulled off a wedding and, uh, had a honeymoon and we went to Hawaii. I never would have probably done that. It was like 5,000 miles from Connecticut and, you know, just get out and explore and do things that you think that you might not want to do because now that this coronavirus is hitting and traveling is kind of in the shitter, I'm like upset that we didn't go further than New England for our trips. <laughs> so just be nice and get out and explore things that, you know, get out of your comfort zone. Yeah, you know, I think that that's a... Uh a good bottom line message is, is to be nice. As soon as you were talking about it, um, the lyric from Drunken Soldier came to mind, and it's, be kind always, no matter. And I think that goes hand in hand with what you're trying to promote. Uh, it doesn't matter what somebody else is going through or what we're going through, just be kind. And life will be so much better I, I can promise you it will be so much better if you're just kind always no matter so that being said thank you again for coming on i really do appreciate your well thought out and well spoken answers we're starting a new format for the podcast here soon um, so we can have people on for a second time and basically when they come on for a second time we're going to pick a specific song a specific version of it and we'll just go line by line and break that song down and share what the lyrics mean to us in our own personal life and how we apply those lyrics to our life. So uh, when we start ramping that up, I'd love to have you back on and try out that second format with you where we can kind of break into some songs and really stretch them out and explore them and uh, see what we can find when doing that. Um, at any rate, that wraps up this week's episode if you have uh or not if you have if you want to check out anything that was referenced in the shout out section like i said just go to our webpage dmbondemand.com slash podcast and you'll see it in your show notes um, you'll also see it if you listen to us on apple google stitcher uh, you should find the show notes there too so you can get direct links for the version of songs that were referenced here for the band that he shouted out or, or anything else you might like. And that will do it for this week's episode. Thanks everybody for stopping by and spending some time with us. If you want to be on the podcast, please go to dmbondemand.com slash beourguest. And it has the breakdown of everything that needs to be done. It's quite easy. It's all one fluid motion. So if you want to be on, uh, just reach out via that link and follow the, the five-step guide, and we'll get you on the show.
That's it, man. <laughs> Is there uh, one question I asked before we get off the line? Um, now, you'll get to hear the final version before anybody else. So you'll have a chance to listen and see if you want anything edited or clipped. But off the top of your head, is there anything that, that you don't want included in the episode? Or did things go okay? Yeah, things went things went great on my end. Um, good, good. I tried to... It might have been too long at the end of the promoting part. No, no, no. Because um, I was trying to go back in my notes... Um, there was a couple, there was something that I forgot to, oh, I put it in, like, a, when I talked about uh, Big Eyed Fish and Seek Up, like, for, like, the deeper tracks, I put it into, uh, I put it at a different section than the end section, so. I just tried to, like, get in everything I forgot to talk about or didn't end up getting to, so. You know, that's one that's one section of the interview where I wish more people would spend some time on. Um, most people are really in and out with the shout-outs, and I, that's, like, I want people to use the platform to help them or whatever it is that people need to know about. So you absolutely did not get, there is no such thing as too long in that, in that section, at least for my opinion. The more time people spend on the promotion, the better. Um, but like I said, you'll hear a finalized version before we publish. It might not be until either later this week or early next week when I'll be able to get that to you. But I will get it to you. And um, when we're done here, if you go back to that web page, the VR guest section, um, there's a step underneath everything you've done already. And basically it's kind of a follow-up interview. It's how we learn to do things better. And there's also a section for the show notes. Whatever you type in that show notes section is what will show up on the actual show notes. So you have the power to phrase it however you want. You can put as much information as you want there, uh, but that's how you're going to give me the information to put in that section, okay? Okay, so like, just like highlights of the show, I guess? Yeah, I would. If I were you... um, because no, I could yeah, just because I could just write down some of those songs that I think fans should listen yes. to. Yes, that's exactly it. So the I'll do the overall show notes. But what this is for, it's breaking down if people are listening to your interview and you want them to have easy access to the information. So if you want to refer to the specific songs and dates, um, if you want to give a link to the band you promoted, that kind of thing. That's that's where we get all that information. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh... <laughs> So, I've had 14 hockey interviews for head coaching jobs. Um, I've gotten two of them, so, you know, <laughs> you, you, you keep going. I mean, each each year, it's weird. I call it, like, interview season. So, every, like, April, May, June, I would get, but like, between not getting five interviews, I would do a shit ton of coaching and camps and you know get with like a team or something and then i would want you know and then the next year comes around yeah. a bunch of coaches leave their high school programs and then i interview for them so when i did this i tried to attack it like that so yeah. i had like like you like you notice like i was like you know here's the vert like this i love this version of ants marching but it's live in europe and it's off this album or like 
Seek Up live at Red Rocks 95. That's the one that I'm talking about right now because I, I don't know. I, I just like to be organized like that. So I have to make sure. I mean, you know, there's like 50 different versions of Two Step. But the, one I, but the one I love the most is Central Park. Now, everyone knows that one. But if I just say go listen to Two Step to like a random fan. Go listen to Two Step Live and tell me what you think. And then they two, type in Two Step Live into YouTube and there's a hundred videos. Yeah. They're like, which one do I pick? You know, because I'm talking about a specific one. And they're, you know, they're just going to click on one and they're like, oh, that was pretty cool. And I'm like, oh, did you hear that two minute piano like riff? And right. they're like, no, there was because each concert, you know, sometimes they bring a piano guy on. Sometimes they have you know all these guest guitarists like cortez the killer you love has like um that guest on there um how did you know that uh, you said that that was your fa- that was your favorite song oh okay all right you, oh, no. you said that you said that one in 27 which i listen. i've never really listened to 27 before and i listened to that and i was that was like uh there's only a couple live ones uh okay. on itunes set but like pretty sharp, pretty sharp memory man pretty good <laughs> yeah memory. Like I said, I take my notes. I I come prepared. Um, But like, uh, there is 41 live in Chicago. And and it has Victor Wooten on bass. And it's so badass. Like, I don't like that song's like eight and a half minutes long. And I don't really love 41. Like, it's okay to me. It's not like people rave about it. And I don't know why. But. I'll force myself to listen to like the first five, six minutes of that song just so I can get to the Victor Wooten part, and then I, and I like, re- and then I replay it and like, it, there's a video of that one on YouTube and you just see him like jamming on the bass. It's so sick. It's so good. Yeah, I, I remember watching um, Victor Wooten play um, the national anthem the national anthem on his base and just that whole camp, like Victor Wooten, Bela Fleck, you know, Jeff Coffin, anybody from the Fleck towns are absolutely stunning to me. So yeah, I, I, I appreciate that exact one with Victor Wooten that you're talking about. Yeah. That was awesome. But yeah. it, uh, this, this was a blast. This was a lot of fun. I, uh, cool. it's different. Oh, uh, there is a, I forgot to like, you know how you were like how it brings people together like i have one friend one of my buddies loves save me and louisiana bayou those are like his jams and i and i love those songs too and but like oh and he loves rapunzel so those are like the big three for him and then my other buddy that i mentioned in the podcast loves two-step so and then i was talking to you and you said you know cortez and 27 and it's just you know it's funny and you know creative how these songs hit us in a different way like when i listen to save me like i listen to save me and there's a bunch of different versions of that song and i think of him and like him and i just jamming out to it you know driving around college or whatever so and then when i hear you know here on out or um my wife loves so much to say because she loves yeah. the part when he goes little baby with the high voice and like right. she like loves that song and it's so I, i'm like that's it's the so part, funny that's the part that uh on yeah, yeah. With Andy Dwyer, little yeah. Baby. 
Yeah, he does like the high pitched voice. It's so yeah. funny. Yeah. Uh, and she loves that song. But it's so funny how, you know, they probably have a hundred, two hundred songs. It's so funny how you can pick one out. And yeah. you're like, I know exactly where I was the first time I listened to this song or, you know, this song hits me more than others and stuff like that. Like, you know, I forgot all about Grace is Gone. And then I started listening to it. I was like, oh, my God, I used to listen to this song so much, like so many breakups and shit and stuff like. And I used to listen to Seek Up doing homework because it was so long that I could just put it on in the background and just jam yeah. to it, you know. Just have some background noise. Um, Crush uh, off the Central Park album is like so amazing. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, well, I'm definitely going to have you back on once we start this second format. We can pick a song, a specific song, and break it down line by line. Um, I think that would be a really good format, especially with how prepared you are. We can pick a song out and just go over line by line and, and break down the lyrics and see how they, how much we have in common. And you know, there's going to be a lot of points where we we wouldn't have thought of something the way the other person thinks of it. So I think that'll be pretty fun to do at some point. Yeah, for sure. I um, back in high school, I wrote uh, like a we were doing like love songs for English class, and I wrote a paper about O. Oh, off mm-hmm. of his off his solo album because it's like a very sweet kind of you yeah. know lovey creative love song or whatever um but yeah that, that would be a lot of fun and we could pick i always thought raven was a crazy song to kind of talk about because that whole album he talks about like religion a lot you know bartender and raven and you never know and uh you know it's uh it's it's a great it's a great album uh, for me, but it's very the lyrics off that album are very much like they're you visual. really. They're, they're what visual to me, like I can see it in my head so clearly. Yeah, they're very visual. They're very full, like meaningful lyrics. Other than Kit Kat Jam, which is just some music. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so yeah, I would love, I would love that. That would be, uh, that'd be a blast. That'd be a lot of fun. It sucks that you can't play the music on here. We gotta oh, figure yeah. out a way to get through that. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I just won't risk being deplatformed. You know, I could probably try it and I might get away with it here and there, but the risk is just not worth the reward to me. It's just not. Yeah. Uh, you know- I've even thought about um, using uh, reaching out to the bluegrass tribute that did that CD of bluegrass tribute to the music and has, you know, obviously like banjo and bass and stuff like that and trying to get that worked in. But even so, I just don't want to risk it. Um, if we get deplatformed, you know, over something that I couldn't help, I'd be okay with that. But if I were to get deplatformed over something that I know could do it and I yeah. did it anyway, I couldn't, no. Yeah, like there's a, I think there's a, I don't know how big they are, but I know there's a a cover band called Big Eyed Fish, and they're like a DMB cover band. I don't know how big they are. I know they've come to Mohegan a couple times, Mm -hmm. and they're good, but, you know, it's weird listening to someone else play Davis songs. 
Right. Like, you know, like we said, it's a very familiar... It's not like somebody playing, like, you know, a normal guitarist, you know, playing in a bar or something. Right. So, I don't know how I don't know, I don't know how good they are, but yeah, like you said, you don't want to ruin it for something that you know would get you in trouble unless you had proper, you know, authority or, yeah, licensing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Well, thanks for uh, chatting with me for the last hour or so. I, I appreciate it. Welcome to The Way I Heard It. This is a segment for you, the listener. Each episode, I reach out to a handful of listeners to ask them about a specific song and what it means to them and how they apply the message of that song in their own life. Some will make you laugh, others may make you cry with empathy, but each one is straight from the heart. So let's get right into this week's edition of The Way I Heard It. Hey everyone, this is Eli Carr from Season 2, Episode 2 of the DMB On Demand Podcast. The song that we're going to go over today is The Dreaming Tree, and this is the way I heard it. Immediately when the song begins, right, um, with the instrumentals, uh, I think the, both guitar and saxophone, I mean everything, percussion, right, it's, it's all fantastic, but it does a really good job of given this feeling of like floating away from rea- uh, reality um, sort of fantasy-esque dreamy right um, so I think those are um, main. Uh, that's the good feeling or the feeling that you get from it which is hammered down by the instruments in the beginning and you know let's hop right into the lyrics here it goes standing here the old man said to me long before these crowded streets here stood my dreaming tree, and um, you know, long before these crowded streets, um, I think that's you know both literally and metaphorically. Like you can take it, like the whole song, like any song, I suppose you could take it both ways, like that. But you know, literally, I think that before the crowded streets, here stood here stood my dreaming tree. Kind of looking at all the concrete that we put up, you know, and a little bit of that. That's what I think about, anyways. There's a little too much concrete for me anyways but <laughs> but you know before these crowded streets I think it, it's also in your mind and I think that that's another big theme for the entire song that we're gonna um, re- revisit a few times here in this little segment is uh, uh, change laws and you know but these crowded streets to be the big uh, basically your mind I think that's a big thing so that that's what I get out of it long before these crowded streets is both literally and metaphorically like that here stood my dreaming tree you know I think it's your well obviously your dreams right but like um, something that has roots something that has legs something that real strong at one point you know like trees here stood the dreaming tree um, below it he would sit for hours at a time now progress takes away what forever took to find um, crazy line there that's it's so deep I think it's even over my head honestly now progress takes away what forever took to find um, I think again I think you could take that as aging you know and like kind of forgetting what just is the beauty that just is maybe and um, 
you know, getting caught up in the progress of like, I don't know, social norms perhaps even, you know, that might be, that might be an idea. You know, kind of just forgetting who you are as a person. Progress takes away what forever took to find. And uh, and it's also the old man, you know, said to me, like, it's this old man relaying knowledge. And so it's something that's like, he is uh, kind of learning, or has learned over time. So I think the whole story like that fits in. And I think that's the idea for this first verse and the second, too. Um, and now he's falling hard, and he feels the falling dark. How he longs to be beneath his dreaming tree. Um, falling hard? Yeah, just kind of perhaps a depression, you know, perhaps just, um, I call it digging holes. Sometimes I, it's been a while for me since I've, you know, dug my own holes, but like me and my friends used to call it digging holes when you get lost in your mind and you go down something and you just keep picking apart the negatives and you keep just going down this hole and ain't nobody around to help you pick it out or pick you, you know, help, uh, pick you out of it and sometimes you get so deep that you can't climb out of them so that's a, uh, an uh, idea that I get from it um, so now he's falling hard he feels the falling dark um, I think that's very similar I think that's all the same just a fantastic way to describe that feeling how he longs to be beneath his dreaming tree so the team tells me that the dreaming tree is no longer there the idea that it's no longer there you've sort of lost yourself over time that's what I get out of it Conquered fear to climb, the moment froze in time, when the girl who first he kissed promised him she'd be his. Conquered fear to climb, I think it's like what I get out of it again. Uh, conquered fear to climb. Yeah, it's afraid. You're, it's uh, scary to go after things that you want sometimes, you know. And I think in this case, like um, the girl who he first kissed. Um, I think that was. You know, he conquered a fear, like he was kind of remembering a love perhaps that he once had or like that feeling of like going out and getting something, you know, and like just in and achieving, you know, it, but, uh, you know, like I think that's it. When the girl who first he kissed promised him she'd be his. What a great feeling, right? Fantastic feeling. Oh, I mean, he's remembering it though, which is important, I think. Remembered mother's words, there beneath the tree, no matter what the world, you'll always be my baby. And um, another, what another great feeling to have somebody say that to you. Um, like a mother, you know, I think people take it for granted to be about what their mothers do for them. You know, so I think it's really cool that uh, that was put in there. Remembered mother's words, there beneath the tree, no matter what the world, you'll always be my baby. Another fantastic feeling, always having someone to lean on. You can't can't beat that. But um, again, right in the beginning, there beneath the tree, he was like a kid. I think it's like I think that dreaming tree is your ideas when you're younger, and your aspirations and what you want to do when you're younger. And over time, it kind of gets lost. I think an innocence or uh, your um, dreams. <laughs> I guess that's good, <laughs> right? But it's lost. And um, anyways, mommy come quick, the dreaming tree has died. The air is growing thick, a fear he cannot hide, the dreaming tree has died. Um, I think it's, so it's the old man kind of realizing, you know, or you know, just, dang, I used to have these dreams and now I've become a regular old person, you 
know, fitting in the social norms, going, going to get my coffee every morning at eight o'clock, and like not everybody likes doing that. Some people do. Fantastic, right? It's not, it's not cutting anybody down, first of all. But a lot of people do get stuck in these spirals and these, um, you know, like uh, these habits, perhaps, and and they might not even realize that they're that's that their own habits are what really makes them upset anyways but anyway maybe that's a little too deep maybe I'm just maybe I'm not taking it for what it's saying you know but um, anyways the air is growing thick um, I think when the air is thick it can mean both things I think literally when the air is thick it, it can be uncomfortable you know um, it can be like if, if you don't like that like humid kind of a thick um, like like a bayou thick air you know like that's what I think of and some people don't like that just sitting there sweating you know it's uncomfortable sometimes um, or you know the air is growing thick again can just be like your mind like just it's um is uncomfortable uneasy unsettled that's what I get out of it a fear he cannot hide no longer like he's getting to a, he's getting to a point where he's gonna drop everything and say you know frig this man so like that's um, that's and you probably could see it on his face, you know, he might put on airs for somebody. And which again we're gonna touch on that again in the next verse. I think they're very that's the main idea, the main theme of this song is you know, just losing your stinking dreams. It it sucks and um it can really eat at people sometime and then you, you start digging holes. Start digging the mental holes. And I think that's what the um, the first verse definitely hammers down for me have you no pity this thing I do I do not deny it all through this smile as crooked as danger I do not I'm sorry I do not deny I know in my mind I would leave you now if I had the strength I would leave you up to your own devices will you not talk can you take pity I don't ask for much but won't you speak please hmm which, very interesting, I suppose, I don't know what you'd call that part of the song, like, like bridge, I guess? Uh, maybe it's part of the same verse, I'm not too sure. This song's put together really awesome, like, I like, I like the structure of this song as well, but, um, I think he's kind of, like, talking to himself. I think, again, this is what I get out of it, is just asking yourself, reflecting on who you've become, and, you know, have you no pity? Like, like, kind of like, it's not feeling sorry for yourself. You might even be talking to somebody. I don't know. That's the great thing about music is it's so, or poetry you know, or whatever. Every, any kind of writing can be taken any way you want it to be. So it'd be um, very interesting to hear what y'all think about it. But have you no pity? This thing I do, I do not deny it. All through this smile, as crooked as danger. That's really cool. That's a really cool line. I, I love it. All through this smile, as crooked as danger. I think it's when you're putting on airs for somebody. Again, touching back into the first verse, that theme of um, you might be, you know, doing your thing, going to work or going to see your friends or um, I don't know, just doing what you do. But you might be getting sick of it, and but you put on that smile like, hey, everything's okay, right? But it's crooked as danger. Like you can see, like I think it's when people you know, like close friends or family can kind of see that, you know, that's not the same smile that this person normally has, like, you're faking it, like, it's very, you can tell the, 
sincerity in the, in the you know, if you're being genuine or not. Um, you can hear it in people's voices. You can, you can see it in the smile, even. So it's, crooked is danger. I love that. It's, it's a great, uh, great line. I know in my mind I would leave you now if I had the strength. I would leave you to your, leave you up to your own devices. Um, yeah, it's again. I know right in my mind. It's again. I think it's just reflecting and thinking about yourself. I think the whole thing is just inside of the head of you know the maybe first person or whoever you know whoever is singing the song or you know whoever's writing it whoever's you know whatever it doesn't have to be you know like so if, if you're singing it too that's what i mean if you're singing it that's i think that's what it is is you getting in touch with yourself in a way but won't you speak please right um yeah i think it's kind of just practicing what you preach kind of a thing and, and just or speaking up for yourself. Sometimes if you don't like something or, you know, you don't always gotta say something, but like, sometimes you do, there's a time and a place for it. And I think it's kind of asking yourself that question. Won't you speak, please? Like, I think there's um, some sort of theme there. That, that That's how I tie it in for me anyways. But let's hop on. From the start, uh, knew she had it made. Uh, easy up till then, for sure she'd make the grade. Adorers came in hordes to lay down in her way. She gave it all she had, but treasures slowly fade. I don't know, I just when I hear that when I hear the song, like whether it's on the album or live, either one, it's it's amazing either way, right? Man, you get like these kind of like these goosebumps, shivery, like this kind of like um skin crawling kind of a feeling, like uh but in a good way, not like eerie or nothing like that, but like skin crawling, like goosebumps kind of feeling. It's like, whoa, so good. I don't know, I like it anyways, but um, it's sort of like, like so, adorers came in hordes, I think, for the woman. Um, it's mainly like, I, I imagine, this is what I get out of it, that she's beautiful, right? She's a beautiful woman, and she probably has, you know, lots of guys that are, gonna court her or trying to you know and they just lay down for her and they're I promise the world to you and all this stuff you know and all, all the good stuff that guys will say right but um I think that Ordorers came in hordes it tell like to, for me that's like she's might she might even be a princess she might be even like some sort of royalty I don't know maybe she thinks that she is um maybe she actually is Adorers came in hordes just like it's a good feeling having people like be all about what you're doing and like like maybe not in your business but like you know like it's nice knowing that people care about you or want to be around you that's a really cool feeling um she gave it all she had but treasures slowly fade and i think that over time it can be kind of taxing on a person you know when you're constantly meeting people that oh my god like i just love you so much you're the best and like but like it when it's when it's genuine it it means the world right but if you're just saying it because she's pretty I mean, it's got to be taxing on a person, and that as, so it really can, like, it's just, I don't know, you might not even be able to, you might start to be able to not see the, um, people be, who are being genuine, 
and they just fall into the same category of like, okay, here's another one, you know, treasures slowly fade, that's what I mean by that, like, um, it's like, I don't know, if you, you wear the same beautiful dress every day, and eventually it's gonna get holes in it, right, that's what I, that's basically what it means to me, so, that's how I hear it anyways, <laughs> but, now she's falling hard, she feels the fall of dark, how did this fall apart, she drinks to feel the dark, um, I, I think that's, Reminiscent of the first verse again. Um, it's like uh, falling hard uh, in, in the mind and the traps of social norms and like what maybe listening to what people are telling you what you should be doing, which is a bummer because forget what everybody else thinks, you know, right? Screw them. Whoops. <laughs> Sorry, I probably shouldn't say that, but that's, you know, you know, it's just me being nice. <laughs> but like, that's what I get out of the song. Uh, she drinks to feel dark. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I think drinking is, can be a, a band-aid for something that needs stitched up, right? Um, that's what I've always said anyways. She drinks to fill the dark. A smile of sweetest flowers, wilted so and soured. So again, I think it's like the, crook, the smile crooked as danger. I think that's another uh, beautiful way to say the exact same uh, meaning, I guess, but just... A smile of sweetest flowers wilted and so soured like it's like some um be like beautiful plants right uh, like the beautiful flowers like roses you know but if you grab it you can like there's thorns on it like um I, it's so a smile sweetest uh of sweetest flowers it's a you know a great smile it's this like hey putting on airs for somebody like oh my gosh this is awesome you know but wilted and soured and like inside it's like yeah <laughs> right so that's that's what I get out of it it's again it's um not being genuine um you know just in general but more importantly not being genuine to yourself and I, it's losing the dreaming dream and we're gonna come back to that I'm trying to go a full circle here uh, black tears stain the cheeks that once were so admired she thinks when she was small there on her father's knee how he had promised her he'll always be my baby Again, it's the same as the first, right? It's like um, this feel like the the relationship between a father and daughter. Um, you can do anything that you want, you know. Like, like people tell kids that all the time, or they should, anyways. You can do whatever the heck you want, you know. And and if they do, fantastic. If they don't, they go down their own path. Fantastic, right? But um, so that, to me, it tells like she's doing things right now that she might not want to do. That she wants to make a change, perhaps, or that change is happening and she's not maybe she's not doesn't know how to deal with it I don't know I have no idea but um, again I think there's that feeling of having that father there and, um, that connection of somebody that you can always lean on um, you can't beat it that's I think that ultimately that's a big thing of life is you know big or small circle you know who can you lean on right and if you're lucky, it's your mom and dad. So that's a great feeling. It's, a, it's again, it's like remembering these great feelings. It's remembering feelings that might not even be there anymore. So that's, anyways, daddy come quick. The dreaming tree has died. I can't find my way home. And there's no place to hide. The dreaming tree has died. Yeah, it's, it's again, it's that losing your dreams and getting caught up in your crowded mind, the crowded streets, the crowded mind. Um, it's, can't find your way home uh, that's 
that's that's tough. Everybody should have a home, whether it's a house. You know, there's a difference between a house and a home, right? But uh, if you can't find your way home, you know that's you know in my mind, anyways. That's that's it. Don't get it. Don't get a oh, rockier bottom than that. <laughs> I don't think that's that's um that's tough. Um, there is no place to hide. The dreaming tree has died. Yeah, it's just remembering what you should have been, or maybe that you wanted to actually be, and that's it's just not there. It's not in the cards for you anymore. And I think, and again, if I had the strength, uh, I would leave you up to your own devices. Will you not talk? Can you take pity? I don't ask for much. Won't you speak, please? Um, that's same as the first it's it's talking i i that's i take it as talking to yourself and trying to convince yourself and like hey wake up mcfly hello <laughs> you know it's like anybody home <laughs> but it's like it's like dude you're right there just you have all these thoughts that like seem so easy to be like to like manifest maybe or or like um to build i think is the right word i don't know what the heck i'm trying to say anyways that's that's what i get of it is like it's talking to yourself like like it's not feeling sorry for yourself, but it's like objectively looking at yourself and being like, what can, what changes need to be made so I'm happy, right? What, what needs to be made? Um, what need, what do I need to drop? What do I need to gain? Um, it, like I think you could also say that with your friends. Like if you're unhappy, take a look at who you're hanging out with. You know, and you gotta start making changes. Um, and then I think that's, you know, well that's what I do anyways. If y'all got something else that you think about, let us know, or let me know, anyways. You know, like, but it's it can be taken so many different ways. But that's that's the way I hear it, anyhow. And you know, the rest of the the outro, um, take me back, take me back, take me back. Um, again, it's talking to yourself. Um, it's it's just trying to get out of um a hole that you've dug yourself mentally. And it's just take me back. And you're asking yourself, you're asking your mind, whew, get me the heck out of here for a second. Even if that's all it is, just, you know, just let me, give me a break, would you? And just take me back and let me be an astronaut or let me be, um, I don't know, a, a hero of some sort. Let me be a baseball player. Let me be, um, I don't know, whatever the heck you want to do, a model. I don't know, <laughs> like whatever it is that you like, like you're asking yourself, and I think that's the whole theme of the song, and that's that's the way I hear it, and um, yeah, I hope you know, it was interesting to hear, anyways, and maybe it's very similar to what you think, maybe it's completely different. I have no idea. I'm glad I got this opportunity to uh, do this song. It gave me the chance to actually give it the hard, good listen that it's deserved. That you know that I really never. I never like skipped the song when it came on, you know, but like first, you know, I like it was almost like background to me. Like I would catch a little bit of it here and there and then but I just never like for some reason never dove into it real deep. So this opportunity has been awesome and it's honestly given me a brand new respect for the song that I'm that I'm so glad that I have now. So thank you Andrew for hooking me up with this song and letting me do it. Um, also, by the way, you know you can enjoy the soothing sounds of Dreaming Tree as a song, but you can also stink and enjoy the delicious taste that is the Dreaming Tree wine. 
go get yourself a couple bottles of that if you're lucky enough to have it in your area. It's my go-to wine that I go with. Um, it's delicious. I've had the Pinot Noir and the Sauvignon Blanc, and they're it really is. I'm not not just being a an ad or you know a sales pitch. It's straight up awesome. Ain't nobody paying me or asking me to say that. It's it is really good. So um, when I'm looking for something awesome to swig on throughout the day go with the dreaming tree it is ace so and you know it's the song has stood the test of time since 1998 it will continue to stand the test of time and also it will uh, it's a great wine so it's it's really not only has it been an awesome part of their career as the band but like just you know, it's just creating so much for these guys and, and an enjoyment, really. Enjoyment for them, enjoyment for us. And um, so this song has really touched a lot of folks in a lot of different ways, too. So I'm really excited to hear about what y'all think about The Dreaming Tree and if it's your favorite song or if you were like me and you're like, I never heard, never paid super close attention to the song, but like, I will now. Maybe let me know if that's you, too. I appreciate y'all listening to me and let me ramble on here. Um, yeah, connect with me on here on Twitter if you'd like. It's uh, Eli Cartoons. It's at Eli Car, C-A-R-R, and then the number two, N-Z. So thank you very much, guys, and hope to talk to y'all again soon. This song was the perfect choice for me because it really fits with the point I'm at in my life right now. When I first recorded my episode for this podcast back in February, I was still in college and was serving as an intern at a nonprofit in my town. I spoke about how that internship was helping me to discover what I was really meant to do in life, help people. Now, I've since graduated and was blessed enough to be hired by that nonprofit as a full-time grant writer, helping them raise funds that support programs for underserved kids in the community. I've been given a chance at following my dreams, and I'm finally so close to achieving them. So how does this relate to The Dreaming Tree? Well, it's all about what the song tells me. The message I get from The Dreaming Tree is the story of someone struggling to reckon with growing up. It's a song about things changing faster than someone can take, and they end up caught between the realms of childhood and adulthood. Remembered mother, mother's words there beneath the tree. No matter what the world, you'll always be my baby. Mommy come quick, The Dreaming Tree has died. Can't find my way home. There is no place to hide. The dreaming tree has died. In my view of the song, the dreaming tree can represent many things. It could be the person's innocence, as they mourn being able to live without the struggles we all face in adulthood. It could be their childhood home, which they can no longer return to because it may no longer exist. Whatever it is, it's something that the narrator of the song is struggling to return to, as they realize they are being thrust upon the world without the safety of their beloved tree. As of next week, I will officially be a full-time employee, working 40 hours a week. I've never had a job with that many hours. The most I've ever worked in a week is 20. So, I'm having a dreaming tree moment. I'm terrified that it will be too much for me, and that I'll fall apart. At the same time, I'm moving out of my mother's home in August, the home I've lived in for 22 years. This home has been my shelter for so long, and I'm so worried that when I leave it to enter the adult world, I'll fall right into the same terror the narrator is going through. There is no place to hide. The dreaming tree has died. This fear isn't crippling. 
I know in my heart that when I get used to my new job and apartment, I'll be much stronger than I was. It could even turn out to be the best decision I've ever made. I guess, like the narrator, I'm just scared. I'm scared that once I leave the safe limbs of my dreaming tree, I won't be able to return. But with each box I pack, I feel like I'm one step closer to freedom, to making my own way and following the path I've set forth for myself. I've been safe and sound in my tree for long enough. It's time to see what's so special about being down on the ground. And that is what the dreaming tree means to me.